All right. The end of another week. Here we are with Shug Me the Mooney, episode 21. Uh, episode 21. Our show is uh, legally allowed to drink now. Yeah. And uh, speaking of which, uh, Shug, you got anything drink? You drinking anything right now? Yeah, man. Got that broken school IPA. Stone Cold Steve Austin's. Yeah, quick little thing. Uh, you check out our YouTube channel. We're going to have Broken Skull uh, Taste uh, review from Shug. That'll be up there, so check it out when you have a chance after you listen to this episode. Also, it's Friday, October 2nd, 2020. Busy week. Uh, Shug, uh, Joel, how'd your week go? Same, same old, same old. Just relaxing. I actually got a couple, like, push-ups, and I'm starting to do, like, some home-at-home home workouts and work myself up to the gym. Yeah, again, yeah, I got you. Uh, yeah, so uh, we have a lot of stuff that we're going to jump into. You didn't even ask me how my week was going. Well, you got to jump in, man. Oh, man. Episode, it was episode 21, 21, 21, 21. 21 Savage dropped his um Savage Mode 2. Um, I just finished listening to that. I just finished listening to Bryson Tiller's anniversary. So if you're listening, um. Give that a listen. Give, give those albums a listen. They got my co-signs. I know my man's right here is a little bit more critical when it comes to music, so I don't know how he feels about it. I heard it. It's all right. I got my Shook Me the Mooney t-shirt. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, let me know if you want to get one of these. Um, we're going to start taking orders. Hopefully start, you know, selling them, flipping them. Um, they look fly. They got... um. All our info on the back, it got the the logo and everything. Um, I don't want to shout out Erica, a friend of mine on Snapchat who uh, made my day yesterday and actually made this whole experience worth it by uh, reaching out to me and letting me know how much she loves our show. So if you're listening, Erica, thank you. And hopefully going forward, we keep it up and, and it's just enjoyable as the last 20 episodes. There you go. And uh, if you see me on the street, maybe I'll have a couple of shirts in my bag and then you just buy it off me. Uh, it'll be easier than doing the whole postage thing because, you know, the mail might be a little late. But yeah, yeah so we got to sell out the trunk like Master P. Hey, there you go. Yeah, yeah. You never know. Uh, so, yeah, uh, obviously, as of like, you know, last night our plan was to talk about, first off, the first presidential debate, the U.S. one. And then uh, last night I woke up, got a midnight snack, flipped on Twitter. And, of course, we saw – the whole White House, you know, including Trump, came down with the case of the COVID. So uh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to get into the debate. Uh, we also have a question. We have a topic that usually we like to get a little uh, personal, talk about relationships and stuff. Uh, basically, we're going to ask, uh, does your mother come first? And that's going to deal with uh, relationships, uh, the dynamic. And we're going to jump into that. And then also we're going to talk about uh, our most pleasant experiences with like, a celebrity. Because especially living in New York, New York City, you've run into a lot of like celebrities. I mean, you, I'm sure we've all, we're going to talk about it. I have a lot of funny moments that happen. I know Shug does, and we're going to check in with Joel. And yeah, so that's episode 21. We're going to jump into it now. Okay, so Thursday, October 1st, uh, during the day, there was a, a report that uh, Hope Hicks, uh, who works for, he's a, she's an assistant, and she works in the White House with, for Trump, uh, the headline was saying that she uh, she tested positive for coronavirus. 
So then right away, speculation was like, people were like, oh, does Trump, does Trump have it? Like, who has it? And then uh, around, around midnight, uh, Eastern Standard Time, uh, Twitter, my Twitter feed was all about uh, Trump and Melania. They made the, uh, the announcement that, uh, the official announcement that they had, uh, them and also like uh, 10 other people had like the COVID. Uh, Shug, last night when you saw it, uh, did you see it last night or did you wake up to it? Yeah, so, you know, with the baseball playoffs and stuff, usually before I like go to sleep, like I pop on my PS4 um, and you know, like we discussed on the show, you know, I, I play really nothing but MLB the show. So I was like kind of in the zone um, playing that. And I seen Mike send me um, a DM, like, you know, oh, you know, Mike shares, shares a tweet with you. So I was going to wait till like I was finished playing, you know, because I was in my zone. And I finally opened it and it was like, um, it was like three, like quarter to four in the morning. And I see these tweets. So, you know, it was, you know, Mike had sent me like a screen grab of like Trump's tweets and then I had to go and search all over Twitter to see if it was true, come to find out like it was. And like, I basically couldn't sleep. I didn't even end up getting to, to, to sleep until like almost eight o'clock this morning because it was just like on my mind. But, you know, I actually do recall, um, I think around like when he tried to like open stuff up back at, at in, um, back around like Easter because that was like maybe like two or three weeks into like the pandemic. And I, I I told my family, I was like, I wouldn't be surprised if like before the the end of this, like he ends up getting it or testing positive for it. And, you know, that was based solely on his like ignorance towards it. I mean, he really didn't, he really only started wearing like a mask in like June or July, actually. Um, and just the cavalier ab- attitude his supporters have and you seen the other day, like Herman Cain died, you know, from contracting the vi- the virus, um, allegedly at his rally. And you know, a lot of people are saying, like, oh, like, you know, like, you, you shouldn't be like talking about it or joking about it. But to me, I say in like the Caribbean, we got a saying: if you don't hear those who don't hear, they must feel. And I think like he's basically. Um, downplayed every single aspect of the virus, the pandemic, the numbers, the deaths, the um, basically the precautions, you know, uh, social distancing and wearing masks and stuff like that. And it was just ironic because he um, he made fun of Biden at the speech, I mean, at the debates about him wearing masks. And um it's just apropos and you know how can you feel sympathy for a person who um dragged um a man's son's uh a man who's lost children their only living son you drag his like past substance abuse or drug rehabilitation you bring it up in a debate and use it to attack him like how can you feel sympathy for that person i think m you know, I always talk about it on the show, like how much, how far removed we are from like just empathy and sympathy for these people, and that's just like my take on it. No, like there's like no civility left. Yeah, uh, Joel, when did you find out about it? Well, I was like, I was like working on my beats, like because uh, the other day, the other day actually, 
like my computer had restarted and sadly like some of the beats I was working on got like erased so I had to go back and just like you know redo them but I was like taking a break from making beats and on Instagram I just randomly saw the article Shrimp gets COVID and like to me it was just ironic because like you know Shug just said he's been downplaying it this whole time and now he's you know he has it and it's just ironic it's comedic to me like said I have no sympathy at all um you know he asked for it like I don't wish death on anybody point blank period but I'm just saying, like, uh, if anything happens to him, nobody would be shocked at this point. Like, like I said, he asked for it. Yeah, so they were saying that the manifest from, like, because the debate, the presidential debate took place in Cleveland. So they were saying everyone was on the uh, the flight, and it was, like, everyone else was, like, who was on it, like, pretty much, uh, they are saying they're, they tested positive in Cleveland. And uh, we're also going to talk about Cleveland, another name, Yankees in Cleveland. Uh, so let's jump into the debate. So on Tuesday night, uh, the first U.S. presidential election took place. Debate. Uh, between, of course, Trump and uh, Biden. Uh, I watched it, dual screen with uh, MLB, but my main focus was the debate. Uh, I started off, uh, real quick, uh, I started off, uh, Trump seemed very like coherent and like he was very concise. Despite like the content or the uh, content of what he was saying, the way he presented himself seemed like he was prepared and he was ready to go. And then Biden, uh, he responded and then like immediately Trump seemed, he was already like shooting uh, off the cuff and like shooting from the hip. And like, that's like, that's Trump when he go, he's acting all wild and saying like outlandish shit. Uh, Shug, what was your, your first, uh, first thoughts when the, the debate was going on? Um, you know, I, I, I sat on Twitter, like the way, like after it, I know you asked me about it before, but I'm say after it, the result of, of, of it in a whole. Um, the I was watching it on CNN, so soon as CNN and they got all of their analysts and stuff on there, like I tweeted and I said, "Wow, they're talking about this shit like it was the malice at the palace." Like <laughs> it was like so it was just horrendous and and crazy and um. You know, everybody's like taking jabs at, or even at during the time, like following on Twitter while watching it, like people were going after um Chris Wallace, um on how he like moderated it, and like I didn't really get the beef at all. I, you know, like who 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 would have been better in that situation? Like Trump was really like the wild card, and you know, he kept on interrupting um Biden, um every time he he spoke. Uh, and when you ask them, like, to me, I feel like as a incumbent, um, you have to really, people already seen what you've done. So you have to talk about what you're going to do. And he didn't do that at all. He talked about like getting rid of the affordable, um, the affordable care act, but he never like presented his alternative. Like his whole campaign was running off of getting rid, replacing, um, Obamacare and he's not come up with a plan or put together a plan um, as to how he's going to do that. Everything he talks about is, oh, like we're going to give more money to the military and it's like, all right, well, what does that do for me as an American? Like, I mean, as a, as a, as a citizen, it does nothing. Like, I don't, 
Like, I mean, let me choose my words correctly. I'm not going to say I don't care about the military, but giving more money to the military doesn't help us at all. Like, there's still, um, you know, a lot of, like, you know, it's, it's a lot going on in the country. And I, I just felt like he, he instead of, he, he tried to use a lot of the same tactics he used in 2016. And to me, I feel like Hillary was cocky as hell. And she was confident, rightly so, because a lot of us really couldn't imagine like this man would win. And he, you know, he, she, she basically ignored him, didn't really try to get into the back and forth with them and stuff like that. And I think that helped him with his base and also with like um, undecided voters. Whereas, like, you know, I said it to you, Mike, before the thing, I was like, Biden has to get into the mud with him. And I think Biden did to an extent. He tried to be as professional as he could, and, but at the same time, like, he wasn't, like, putting up with Trump shit, which I, I enjoyed from Biden. Yeah, like, Biden was trying to, like, represent, like, this arrogant Someone who's watching on TV, like, oh, this guy's an idiot. He, you're a clown, man. You're a clown, man. You know, but that's what yeah, Biden talks about. Yeah, and I saw – That's one of the things I really enjoyed because I, I said it. I was like, I've never heard somebody call him a clown to his face. And, like, hearing him say it, it just, like, it felt so good because it's, like, if if I was in front of Trump, I would say that. Yeah, like, Hillary would just look at the camera, like, be like, come on, my dad. And this is yeah. before, you know, it was just a sideshow. So I still blame the media and, like, all the talk shows were having SNL, all the talk shows that are all, like, every night shitting on Trump. They had him on his show. Had him on their show, I mean. Uh, yeah, so, I'll, yeah, the moderator was Chris Wallace. Uh, his father's Mike Wallace, the famous Mike Wallace, like 60 Minutes and everything. So, oh, no, no, no. yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. He's Fox. He's like kind of like um, uh, right to center guy on Fox. Like he's mm. not one of the, like, the crazy like Chris. What's his name again? The guy who has that show uh, Red Eye or whatever. He's just like trying to be comedian. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. like so, um, yeah. So, so he's like one of the more moderate people on Fox News. So that's interesting that they had him on the first uh, debate as a moderator. Also in 2016, Trump and him had had a back and forth, and he kind of did that thing uh, uh, where he's like, "Oh, you're not your father, you know, you're you're not your father." The same things like that. Uh, so it was interesting that they put him out there first for the first debate. Uh, so yeah, so Trump, he said a lot of like vague things, like he always does. He always says some like vague shit. Like mm. uh, one of his first claims, I'll give it to Shug and then Joel if you want to hear. I've done more than any other U.S. president. It's like big blanket statement. Right. So then, and like Biden was like, you know, he just right into it. I would say this, like, even if you're just trying to claim that, you, you don't say good or bad. Maybe he did a lot of bad things. You, that's not a good thing. To, that's not a proud thing to have. Uh, but it's just such a blanket uh, statement. There's no details. There's no substance to it, mm-hmm. which is like just people want to hear it. And then they go, oh, okay. And then they like pacify like the people just listening. And then they're just going to vote for him anyway. Like he said, um, he kept on saying like, oh, like you've been, you've been in government for like 47 years and you've done nothing. Like to me, and I, I said it to you that like, I feel like his rebuttal to that should have been like, yeah, I've been in, I've been in government for 47 years and you might think I've done nothing, but you've been in government for four years and you've like sent this country on like a path that, you know, like, I don't even know how we're going to get out of like what he's put us through. You know what I'm saying? Like Trump, I mean, Biden should have said something like that. That's that's one of the areas I thought Biden could have did better in. 
Uh, Joel, when you hear like Trump say something so like vague, uh, what, what do you usually think? Like what, especially with this one, like with this statement? Uh, I mean, like, I guess you... I like, you know, I've said it before. I'm not like the biggest, you know, political person, but like, and I've always said before, like Trump, like he just says things just to say it. He's just going to say things just for attraction at this point. It's kind of like Kanye and you know their similarities is like they're both Gemini's and it's just like their similarities is crazy but it's almost like that it, at this point whatever they're saying they're doing something else behind the scenes like it's just a distraction at this point that's what you know that's just my opinion what I think and like what I took away from the whole debate was when he um and then you know it was on social media too where he um what was it where white supremacy, he um, refused to like acknowledge it or whatever or whatever. Well, he condemn done, it. Yeah, he condemn, condemn it. There it. we go. He refused to condemn it because he did acknowledge it when he when he made that statement. Um, stand by. What was it? Stand back or stand by? He said stand down and stand by. Yeah. So he acknowledged that he knows it exists, but he refused to condemn it. That's the only thing I care about from this whole debate, honestly. Like for you to say something like that, but what everyone is really focusing on is. You know, Biden calling him crazy or whatever you called him. What was it? What was a it? Clown. A clown. You know, I'm saying, look, I forgot already because my mind is just taking me back to when he refused to condemn white supremacy. That's yeah. the whole scariest part of it. Everybody's yeah. talking about him. You know, Biden calling Trump crazy. Like, big deal. We all know Trump is crazy. <laughs> we already know that. Like, why did it have Biden to say it on TV during the presidential debate for everyone? To uh, you know, acknowledge that, but like I said, that's just me. That's it. Yeah, I want to get to like that that white supremacy thing, um, uh, in a little bit. But one of the things, like I, I, the I, I want to hear what you got, you guys got to say about this. So in the beginning, like during you know, kind of when they started getting into it, um, Chris Wallace, you know, it seemed like he was having like Trump was having like a back and forth with Chris Wallace and Chris Wallace is like, you're debating him, not me. And I think at one point, like Chris Wallace was like, oh, I'm like, do you want me to switch seats with, with, with Biden? Cause it seems like you're debating me. So I think that's something I've noticed about Trump. Um, basically this whole presidency is that in order for him to like succeed, he has to like establish that the entire room is either against him or for, or the entire room is for him. So by that, I mean, like when you're in a situation like that, like you're in a debate, it's like, okay, like the fix is in, like, see the moderator is being like the, the moderator is not being objective or he's not being fair to me. Um, but when he's in his rallies and he's just saying whatever the hell he wants to say, and all these people are clapping, even though he's saying, things that don't make sense, especially with his COVID um, diagnosis now. Like, you know, he was saying all of these things that are now proven wrong as his people like applaud that. But now that you have somebody there to like, you know, rein you back in. So you go back to that white supremacy thing, you know, in response to that, he was like, oh, like, so then why don't you tell Biden to denounce Antifa? And Chris Wallace said, all right, well, the FBI director, your FBI director said that Antifa is not really like a group. Like there's no, 
like structured. It's not like you no know, one person you could go to and be like, oh, this is like the leader of Antifa. And to that, like Trump, you know, kind of like waved that off as, all right, that's fake news, whatever, whatever. So then Chris Wallace is like, you know, but what is a threat and, you know, the FBI says is a threat is white supremacist, right-wing extreme militia groups, namely the Proud Boys. And he flat out refused to, like, condemn them. And he said, stand back and stand by. I mean, even if he would have just, like, stopped that, like, stand back, you know, at least then, you know, the right could could defend it and say, like, he said stand back. Like, what else do you um want him to say? But saying stand by, like, stand by, you're standing, you're, 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 you're flying, you're flying stand by. That means be ready in case a seat is available. And to me, like, that stand by statement, I was just like to say, all right, if I lose this, like, bring your guns and start shooting everybody. um Start shooting everybody that didn't vote for me or whatever. Like, show people that you're angry. And I, I feel like it, it's... It, it, it's a real, very real threat, and it's scary that that he did that. But like I said, going back to to, to my idea, I wanted to hear what you guys mm-hmm. say about that. Like he has to establish that the room is either with him or against him in order for him to succeed, rather than just like holding his own and making his own like statement and making his own stance. Right. It actually has like narcissist uh, traits. It's called like splitting, or either like so you like someone loves you, loves you, or like they're the enemy. And that's like that's like where it's it's like that. But going back to the rebuttal, real quick about uh, not condemning like Proud Boys and other white supremacists. Uh, Don Jr. right away was like, oh, he mis he misspoke. He meant he was like like fucked up at it. He was like all crazy anyway. But he was like, oh, my father misspoke. He meant stand back. He meant that's like that's what he said. Mm-hmm. But they kept pushing. Then right away, Don Jr. said. Be at the polls, you know, like uh, observe the polls, and that's like straight up like the '60s, like uh, uh, voter uh, intimidation tactics. You know, like they've been doing that and for decades, and during the civil rights too. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah. So Trump, uh, he he feeds off a uh, a crowd because like in 2020, he would just tweet tweet or like uh, have a quick little uh, a sound bites. Uh, but the first time he had his actual uh, campaign rally, the one in the uh, the hangar, uh, the, the first one they called the super spreader, you know, COVID thing, which obviously was true. Uh, he went for like an hour and a half and he was just like saying random stuff. And everything he said, people were like applauding and stuff. And he was just getting off on it. He was just like, oh, he was in his element. But uh, Tuesday night, it was in like a studio. Uh, he needed something to target. So he chose... Uh, something like wow like he pretty much probably like so wallace as like everything he just the laugh and everything he just wanted to like, take it out on him uh take his like you know rage on him and uh you know he's like he says like quick little witty things uh i mean you have to admit it like he says like funny shit sometimes i mean but he, it's hate is like, hateful stuff yeah so, yeah uh but yeah but then uh while that was going on mm-hmm. uh, pretty much the second hour it was Oh, I wanted to. I wanted to hear Joel's thing real quick. Yeah, yeah. Joel, what do you think about that? Like I said, I don't. I don't want to keep sounding like a broken record, but everything this man says is just a distraction. Like again, like the the the, for him not condemning white supremacy is just like Shug said. I believe it's almost like he's wanting 
just like revenge in a way, kind of like he's he's you know seeking for revenge. If he loses or whatever the case might be, doesn't get as many votes. It's almost like now there's gonna be a real problem afterwards. And like Shug said, like anytime he's in a room, obviously I never heard of Trump ever once in his life ever have to like probably work. He grew up obviously with money. So the man is all about himself at the end of the day. He has never once been for like the people or anything. He's about himself. So obviously when he's in a room, he's going to command the control. He's going to want the control. If he doesn't get it, he acts like a baby about it, throws a tantrum. And now all of a sudden, you know, we're the ones to pay for it. But Trump's, Trump's a user. He uses like every single person in his cabinet or his campaign managers, uh, he he uses them up and then they he tosses them away. Uh, it actually happened this week. It, his old uh, campaign manager had a huge thing with the police. I mean, did you hear about that? Where domestic disturbance? Uh, oh yeah, 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 I was saying a video. Yeah, so that was one of his campaign uh, guys, and then like everyone was joking, like, "Oh, I, I don't remember him. I don't know who he is." Like, he just discards you when he's done with you. Uh, that's the same with old businesses, business uh, uh, ventures he had. He got what he wanted out of it, and then he, you know, throws it away, and then moves on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he's using now. He's using white supremacy uh, for his for his ends, like the means to the end. He doesn't want to take responsibility for it. Like he doesn't want to take any responsibility for bad things, just good things. Uh, or he'll take credit for things that happened like during the Obama era, and he'll say it was him. Uh, you know, yeah. So. Uh, and one of the things right away Trump got into was uh, calling Biden a socialist. Like he's a left, a leftist socialist. Like the the first thing he said was healthcare. Biden wants a socialist healthcare, and he, the key word is socialist. That's why they wanted Bernie originally. They wanted that was what they were going to push during the debates. Uh, and then right away Biden um, deflected and like he he doubled down on like centric things. Um, like the first thing I'll bring up to you, Shug. Uh, they brought up uh, defund the police, and right away, Biden said, "I'm not for defund the police." So during that, what did you uh, take away from that? Yeah, I've, I've said it. If you like follow me on Twitter, I've, I've said like that's the one area with him and Kamala I didn't really care for, especially in light of like all the things that has has happened since you know the beginning of the year, as far as you know police violence against um african americans like to hear like oh no i'm not gonna defund the police I, a matter of fact i want to give them more money they need reform they need this that, and the third and we we talked about that on the brianna taylor special was just like even though you provide all of these resources for these cops to do their job better a lot of them basically ignore it and they basically keep doing things the way they are i mean the way they have been and I think if Biden said, you know, all right, I'm not defunding the police, we're going to go towards reform, but at the same time, we have to have full transparency. Like, for the last couple uh, months, you know, people have been pushing for the NYPD to release people's disciplinary and complaint records and make that public. So that way, like, you know, let's say, like, you know, one of us gets stopped by the police, right? And we feel like we're treated unfairly, right? Now, if you have that officer's, like, badge number, like, you could look up and be like, yo, this person has all of these complaints from Black and Hispanic 
people stopping him and feel like he's been very um, rude and very um, abusive, either verbally or physically. So now you have a means to, um, even if you want to sue, you can sue. And not, not only that, but the NYPD, they could easily be like, all right, well, you know what? This guy, like, we got to get rid of him. And that's, that's the way to go about it. Um, but that, that's just my take from um, all my feelings towards uh, Biden and Harris and their ideas or, or plans for policing and police reform. Right. Uh, yeah, basically you're saying like a database where they could look up. Um, what that would do is uh, allow people to see a pattern if it was a pattern. Yeah, not only that, but like to... You can't define someone with one incident, but if it's his whole career or their whole career, you know, yeah. obviously. Not, not is... only that, but like the the idea of like the Justice, Justice Department and like the Attorney General getting involved, especially if like Biden and Harris get in and they could get rid of Bill Barr because you already seen Bill Barr um, is, you know, I found it incredible Bill Barr, a person appointed by Trump, you know, he says, yeah, I believe that the justice system, there are situations where the justice system is unfair to minorities, but I wouldn't call it racism. Like, what the, what, what the fuck do you call it then? <laughs> it's like one foot in, one foot out. You know, right. everything is like, they're like, again, it's like, it's like, uh, they don't want to push some people away and they, they don't want to lose other people. So that's like kind of like the, the dynamic they have right now. Uh, yeah, uh, Joel, you have anything to say about that? Like uh, the defund the police, like uh, he mentioned, he said more money. He could have just said like, if it's the same money, just like reallocate it to different areas. Like they mentioned the whole thing, have like a social worker there, which is, we mentioned that during the Brianna Taylor thing, I think with people who are uh, mostly disturbed moments or people that are uh, like special needs, like the cops can't handle They're not, they, I guess they can handle it, but they're supposed to be trained that way. But if you have someone like specialized for that, uh, you can just take the funds they already are using for like tanks and everything and just uh, apply it to that. But uh, Joel, so uh, me telling you that he said the whole thing about defund the police, what do you, uh, what's your takeaway from that? Uh, the, the one of the main reasons I feel like a lot of these politicians don't want to defund the police is because those same white supremacists that Trump was speaking about are the police. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's why they don't want to defund the police because there's a lot of white supremacists already as cops. They don't necessarily have to be KKK or, you know, whatever other racist group yeah because look at how many of them you they 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 go on their um their facebook or their twitter and they find like like all kinds of like crazy posts yeah. and stuff like that and, and racist still, and, and stuff like that and they still do to this day like they some have no shame whatsoever they just post it up there and they have that security blanket of being a police officer with somebody in law enforcement so Again, again, I don't even mean to be the, the cynical one here, but that's just where my mind takes it automatically. Because if it does something like that does happen, at least I'm prepared for it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to be shocked if, if that's like the end result. Because a lot of these uh, police officers are, like I said, they part, you know, they're white supremacists themselves. 
and like get, get even deeper in there it goes to like uh you know uh medical industry as well a lot of doctors it is it, even real deeper but like i said hopefully when you know like my outtake from this whole thing is i just don't want trump in office and biden and kamala harris are not anything special either you know they both have done their you know their dirt but at this point it's just making up for it once you if you do win just make up for your mistakes the best you can honestly yeah now that i think about it, it just came to my head uh it kind of feels like the democratic side uh in 2020 is like a re- inverse i guess the word is for uh 2016 where they had uh the governor of virginia with hillary and he was supposed to be like just like the you know like the straight narrow like uh middle-aged or older like white man like you know that's like the moderate whatever and then you had Hillary and then now we kind of have like the vice president is, could be the first female so you know everything so maybe in 2016 something different could have happened if they flipped it uh I mean I think in 2016 um I think like the the left and like the Democrats were felt very comfortable and then t- obviously this whole Trump thing happened and things just went crazy but yeah so then uh, Trump brought up all the socialist things and uh, especially with the health care. But then Biden also said, well, you don't even have a plan. Like, you have no plan. And uh, that peeved uh, Trump and he started and just started attacking him. Uh, basically saying that uh, Trump is, you know, just causing chaos. There's no plan. There's no, uh, he's, his whole plan is just win the election. That's it. Yeah. Like, you know, so it's very, um, selfish and very uh egotistical and just like for his family and stuff and uh that's what i see uh, and then the next thing uh biden uh said was just straight up trump you're a racist mm-hmm. you know like flat out just said it i mean everyone mm-hmm. dances around it and stuff or like pundits like bring it up he's just saying to his face and then he's you know there's no crowd reaction really so it was we basically had a the crowd was Mike Wallace. Or not Mike Wallace. Chris Wallace. And then like to, to me, like the thing too with the the um with the the stand back and, and stand down. I mean the uh, and stand by thing, like to me I feel like Chris Wallace missed the opportunity to just like go like keep on pressing him and, and like follow up questions and stuff like that. He didn't think I that's my only Great, or the, the only area I saw with Chris Wallace where I thought he had control and didn't control it as best he could because he, he really could have like been like, what do you mean by that? Like, do you want to okay. clarify that? You know what I'm saying? Not just like to um put him on the spot, but also to, to give him the benefit of the doubt because now you are, like I said, you have a lot of these Republicans and conservatives you know, going to his defense saying he misspoke, he misspoke, he misspoke. And, like, he, like, unless Trump admits that, then, you know, how, how, how factual is that? But, you know, yeah. you talk about, like, the difference between 16, uh, 2016 and now, you know, I, I, I told you at the beginning, um, when we started talking during the, the debate, I thought, like, Trump's enthusiasm wasn't, where it was in 2016 like to me like he was playing with house money in 2016 because i still to this day i still maintain the belief like i don't think he intended to be president i think he did it all 
as like a ploy to like races um to raise his profile to sell t-shirts mm-hmm. to sell hats to do stuff like that and unfortunately the idiocy of you know certain pockets of this country people really latched on to like the things he was saying and he actually failed up but now come to 2020 you've already been a president obama had two terms bush had two terms clinton had two terms Reagan had two terms. So you'd be joining Jimmy um Carter. Jimmy Carter. Carter. I was about to literally say Jimmy Walker. So that's why I was the only presidents like I care about was like before I was born. Yeah, so he, he would have joined Jimmy Carter and um George H. W. Bush as the only ones to not um, have two terms. So, to me, he played... Yeah, to me, he played played scared. Like, to me, he looked like he was painting in a corner and he debated that way, which was just attacking your um, your your, um, opponent. Yeah, because, you know, a debate, like, if you, like, me, like, I'm I'm, I'm going to admit, I've never been in a debate club. I know Mike, I mean, I know Joel hasn't. Mike, I don't know if you were. But from what I know in debates, like, you know, attacking your opponent is not a strategy. As long as you know your stuff and you can present your argument and defend it, like, that's the basis of debates. And, you know, if you're a person like, uh, Joe Biden, who grew up your whole life in politics and, and, and working in the community, of course, you already have that mindset. But if you're a person like Trump, you know, you're supposed to be this quote-unquote anti-establishment um, person. But unfortunately, now you are the establishment. You are the president. So you have to know how to defend your policies. You know how to present new policies and defend them against your opponent uh, picking holes in them, and he just didn't do that. All he did was just chirp and chirp and chirp. And I, I remember he tweeted out that, oh, uh, all these places are saying I won the debate. And I was like, sure, I could, you know, if, like, America was a high school hallway and you and Biden were two 14-year-old girls, sure, I could see how you won. But in a presidential debate, like, no. But yeah, like- to me... Like Biden, Biden, you could say like, well, neither of them won, or whatever. But mm-hmm. uh, maybe Biden didn't lose. Like you could say like with a, ba- a boxing analogy, uh, what I saw unfolding was like Biden would like a jab with a jab, jab Trump, and then Trump would get uh, he'll lose focus and just start to get personal. He wouldn't talk about the uh, you know the actual con. Like he he wouldn't he would just strictly go back to his personal attacks uh biden jab jab and then he'd go into his uh plan Biden, i'll do this i'll do this i'll do this and then trump will like you're you know you're a left you're a liberal you know you're a liberal and all this stuff and to to me like this this is what i feel like as an as an incumbent right like you really have to use the debates like because i think there's two more after this and then you have of course the vice president debates and I'm, i'm pretty sure we're gonna discuss that after that happens 
Um, but as an incumbent, you really have to use the debates to gain a vote of confidence from your supporters that you have already and to gain the undecided voters. And to, to me personally, unbiased, objectively, take away my opinions on Trump or my feelings on Trump. I don't think he did that. I don't think he did the latter. I, like his his supporters are gonna stick with him through thick and thin. Like we said it, he's he'll shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and get away and not lose a single supporter. But I think with like the undecided voters, like if you're just going up there and you're attacking your opponent, not telling them what you're gonna do for them, like I don't think you're you're gaining those people. Whereas in 2016, you know. Undecided voters, like I remember an episode of South Park where it just showed about it showed how stupid like undecided people were. Like they they went around with like a news team asking people about um whether or not they should change the flag. And the undecided people were like, you know, I think they should change the flag, but at the same time, I could see like at the same time I don't think they should. Like, and that's basically what undecided voters were are. And, like, if you go back to 16, you know, all of these people were unhappy with the Obama administration for whatever reason. So if you see somebody like Hillary, and she's basically an extension of that, and you see somebody like Trump, you know, you're, um, you're thinking is, like, all right, let's give him a shot. Because I don't, for whatever reason, these last eight years didn't work out for me. And I think that's how he got in. Also... Not undecided. Uh, these are the indifferent voters too. That's another thing. People that got comfortable, who are left leaning, uh, but they're just got like comfortable and they're like, all right, things are just gonna keep going the way uh, that they're going. Uh, so they maybe weren't as vocal or they didn't show up like that. Uh, it wasn't as urgent, right. like because all the stuff that happened in the last four years. Now there's an urgency. It feels, you know. Uh, so that's the other part of 2016 uh, I, I've been thinking about. Uh, so the next thing that came up, Trump uh, started uh, deflecting, and he said that if he loses, uh, even even if he doesn't lose, it's a fraud. Like This, this election is fraudulent. Uh, and that's what he talked about, the intimidation tactics of uh, going going out to vote and watching people vote and like, make sure, you know, like, oh, we, they found a, a garbage... They found all my uh, people that voted for Trump in a in a in a bin, like in like a dump truck or whatever. Yeah, something like that. Actually, that's what I also wanted to say. Uh, what I also wanted to include with when I said like he has to establish that he's like the underdog. Like he always does that. Yeah. He has to somehow throw in like a seed of doubt when he loses. Like in the first election in in sixteen, he kept on saying, "All right, it's a fix." The election is rigged, this on the third, right? And then when he wins, he doesn't have anything to say about it. But when it's found out like, yeah, it was a fix and it was rigged by Russia for you, now it's oh, it's a hoax, it's this and it's that. Yeah. I remember that moment that night. It was like eleven o'clock at night in twenty sixteen. And his face he was like you know, like his face was like a, like a deer in headlights. It was Trump like, like that. I remember saying, that. I was like, whoa. I was already in the sauce. I was already like, <laughs> ah, my news when I was half in the bag. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, pretty much, uh, I think Biden did, was like half, he was like 
half Trump and then like half like talking about the facts and the issues and stuff. But he felt like he had to go in the mud. You know, he had to, they had to go at each other uh, to keep Trump at bay and show the people that are maybe still on the fence, you know, somehow that he's like volatile and he's like he's a clown. Um, so yeah, so that's what that was my takeaway from the debate. Uh, it was two hours of people talking over each other. Uh, at the end, Wallace said, "You know, you you said uh, Trump, your campaign said uh, that you uh, you agreed to giving each person two minutes." That didn't happen. I don't think like ten seconds went by or fifteen seconds went by without someone else like talking over the next the other person. Uh, but yeah, it just seemed like a mess. Now with the whole COVID thing, who knows uh, when the next debate will be? Because we only have like a month left, uh, literally, right? It's like four weeks. Yeah, uh, a month and a day. And then uh, we'll see what happens because next week, the seventh, I believe, is the um, the vice president vice presidential debate which is interesting because mike pence is i think i've heard him talk like four times in the last four years yeah um, little figure <laughs> he might watch that really like try to watch that yeah i mean i'll put my you know head into it oh yeah mlb is a priority that we watch that you know yeah um before we before we like move on i want to like um, drop some like quick thoughts. Um, I thought it was terrible how he attacked um Hunter's past uh substance abuse to his face. Um, mm-hmm. it was insulting. It was to me extremely unnecessary. Um, even if he wanted to bring up his business in Moscow, just including that part about it and attacking Biden with it, I thought it was low even for like Trump. So, what would you guys like take on that? Well, real quick, I'll just say he got I – I feel like Trump got confused, and he didn't even realize that Biden had two sons, Bo and Hunter. And then he confused them, too, and then uh, Biden was like, you know, that's my other son, like that. And then could have, there was an opportunity for Trump to say, oh, you know, like, uh, I appreciate, you know, your son in election, even though it would have seemed hollow. Yeah. But, you know, he, his the whole uh, the whole message that Trump's been giving out is that he doesn't care about veterans or service people. Uh he never same thing with white supremacy he never said he never commented on it he just like left the neutral which is you know his go-to move when he doesn't want to rock the boat uh joel um what's your takeaway yeah it's always a little blow like never like insulted dead period no matter how much well like somebody this is his living song but it was like messed up how like his only living child because he lost one in infancy with his first wife. They died in a car accident. And then his son died uh, from cancer. So he, he didn't speak about the one. It was the one. Well, he's talking life. about the one that's alive now, Hunter, oh, who who had like a past um, cocaine addiction, but he rehabilitated and he's passed it. I think like in okay. the early part, like 2012 or something like that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then he was in like the whole Ukraine and Russia ties and stuff like that. Just, uh, in general, just to bring up family, like, and it's messed up because everybody, do every it, you know, substance abuse is is real. It's a you know whether it be drugs, alcohol, um, all the different types of addiction. Um, if you beat it, you beat it, and I, I think it's it's almost it's to me it's like insulting somebody with like a terminal disease like AIDS or cancer for. Um, if you keep, if you bring up the fact that like 
Yeah, well, your your son's a crackhead. Like, it, like, all right, that's in the past. Like, he's passed oh. it. He's he's done, um, incredible for himself since. Like, it, it's neither. It's literally neither here nor there. But Biden brought it up in respect to his other son, Bo, who died um, from cancer because he served in the military. And he was just saying how, like, Trump, you know, he's on the record of really being insulting to um, people who have served, like John McCain and, you know, numerous but others. He had cancer, too. And while he was dying of brain cancer, McCain, that's when he was, like, that's when that whole thing happened where he was, like, uh, uh, McCain, the whole thing came out that he was, like, the, all his uh, Trump, Trump supporters were saying that, like, McCain was a loser. Uh, Remember that whole thing where he's like, I like winners, I don't like losers, I don't like uh, prisoners of war. Basically, that's the whole thing with McCain, which is insane. Mm-hmm. And then, like, um, the it was weird hearing him, like, kind of attacking Biden for, like, the super predator um, yeah. statement um, that he made in the early 95. 90s. Yeah, it was, like, 95 I, with Hillary, too. Uh, the prison, I, I, uh, yeah, and I, I tweeted out, I tweeted out, I said, like, um, talking about what you call black people in the 90s shouldn't really be the road that Donald Trump wants to go under, you know, wants to go down because, you know, to this day, he still hasn't recanted it, like his stance on the now exonerated five. Um, what do you think about that, Joel? Uh, he's going to keep showing us he's the same person every year. Trump. Yeah, and I just feel like the super predator thing, I think, like, a lot of people, they, they keep bringing back stuff you said years ago. To me, I could tell that, like, Biden, that idea or that ideology that, like, you know, black, you know inner cities pre- occupied by black people contain, contain people who are inherently violent and criminal. Like, you could tell, like, he doesn't have that same thinking today. Whereas, like, Trump, he lets you know, like, he what he thinks. Because it, it's, yeah. it's already been brought out that, like, these five kids didn't do it. Like, the actual person that did it, like, came out and said, yeah, I did it by me, me, by myself. I did it. Nobody else was there. Like, there was no DNA from any of those five people on the, the 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 jogger so there's so much evidence for trump to just be like you know what i was i was wrong even if he said i was wrong and not that dude um matthias um reyes uh the actual assailant like yeah like him he deserves the death penalty even if he says something like that like he refuses to say something like that so he's he's shown you who he is and he hasn't changed and i always say like when he talks about black people or the things he do about black people, like, I, I look around my house while I'm listening to it, like, I'm on the office and I'm looking for, like, the imaginary camera. I'm like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, there's, there's such a part to me. We actually came, we, we brought that up where, uh, I think the Brianna Taylor, where how, like, the law enforcement, we talked about law and order, the show and everything, how, like, they're, like, in bed with each other. Mm-hmm. So, like, you false confessions and, like, there's a whole documentary series on that. That's it, all it was. It was once you confess something, even though you're under duress, that's it. Like, you know, that's what happened, um, which is crazy. 
uh, yeah, so he, back in like 30 years ago, Trump had the whole thing where he was saying uh, things in the tabloids about it. Uh, and even it came up in the debate, he goes, like, I'm, I'm like, uh, I'm provoked. He just started talking about the suburbs. He's like, the suburbs, they're going to come, they're going to infiltrate or uh, infiltrate, I guess is the word, uh, the suburbs and stuff. And then like Biden was like, uh, you don't know anything about the suburbs. And then like Trump's response was, I know the most about the suburbs. He's <laughs> just like that same blanket thing he always says. Like, I know the most, his new thing is going to be, I know the most about COVID. I have it. You know, <laughs> oh yeah, that's you what know? people say. That's on, just like it's like a rubber. Uh, I say bounces off me and sticks to you. You know, that's what he does. Yeah, somebody did say like they were just waiting for Trump to say, "I know you are," but what am I? But I want to talk yeah, about that something because Pee Wee Herman, um, Biden rightly so called it a dog whistle, and for anybody listening that doesn't know what a dog whistle is, it's like basically saying something racist without saying it like overtly so he'd say we got to save our suburbs but in fact what he's saying to people in the suburbs is yeah we got to keep blacks and hispanics and keep the suburbs white because you know you like no matter what kind of black person or hispanic person is you know they're criminal you know they're bad people you know they're rapists you know they're murderers that's basically what he's saying in that one sentence the same way like you know, with a dog whistle, a dog could only hear that sound. You know what I'm saying? That's irritating to them. But in the other, in, in the transverse, it's like um, very soothing to somebody in the suburbs that's ignorant. Um, but, you know, the reason why Biden and Obama um, wanted to bring affordable housing to um, the suburbs during their term or during their administration was because of redlining, um, the GI Bill discrimination where, you know, black soldiers weren't afforded because when soldiers used to go to war in, you know, World War One, World War Two, the Korean War, Vietnam War, they would come back here and they would be set up with housing in the suburbs and able to um, build on like real estate where and and they would discriminate against the black soldiers and not give them that so the black soldiers would come back here and have to live in like the projects and in in low-income areas and stuff like that so black people and minorities but mainly black people they weren't able to 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 basically um you know like for a lot of people like their family have been living in the same like houses for many years and a house gains value and gains equity and stuff like that so when you decide to finally move you know that house that you know your your great grandma and your great grandpa bought for like you know like twenty five hundred dollars right now is like worth like half a million dollars because of its size and where it's at and black people weren't afforded that so with new like housing development obama wanted you know different places to be affordable to low-income people which happen to be people of color um so you know like i said some you know a statement like that it was a dog whistle it was um racist but biden in return to that was like you know that's not really a threat to the people in the suburb what is a threat is covid and the environment um protections that um trump um Trump stripped away because um, you look out there in like California and West Coast with all of those fires, 
a lot of that was started, you know, because, you know, they, the, the different um, regulations that Trump just did away with. Yeah, that's another thing that came up. Uh, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he stayed neutral again. Barely, barely said anything about the, uh, Wallace straight up said, do you believe in climate change? Like straight up. And he goes, I believe some things. And he goes, like, do you think uh, humans have a role in climate change? And he goes, to some extent, like he's very, very mm-hmm. half in, half out. But yeah, the whole thing, the thing you were saying before about uh, the GI Bill and everything, during, during this past week, I actually was reading about it and it started in New York City. Uh, I think I, I messaged you about it, Sugar, uh, the Stuyvesant houses, uh, Stuyvesant Town and then Riverton. Riverton was one in Harlem, and yeah. uh, that was that was uh, they were both segregated. The other one, the one in Harlem, was a separate but equal. So that was like their version of Stuyvesant House, where it was all about uh, investing. And uh, yeah, so they basically uh, low income and mostly like black uh, Americans, uh, minorities, they didn't have the opportunity to get invested in because like during that time, the forties or whatever, a lot of people were more on like a even playing field. And after World War II, uh, the United States invested in all these soldiers coming back. And then that became like the middle class. And of course, black people and most minorities were uh, stopped. Like they were held back at the starting line pretty much. So that's what we've been doing for the last 70 years. So yeah, to sum it up. Is there any following thoughts on the debate? Um... Yeah, like I said, I just thought it. it uh, I'm hoping that the next one is a lot more um, concise, and the people, you know, uh, him and Biden get to speak, and they speak uninterrupted, and Trump could present um, reasons why you should give him four more years, and Biden could give his reasons as to why um, we need change. Like, it's not for me. Like, I know who I'm voting for. But for people, um, for people that's undecided, you know, you could give them the opportunity. But if like, you know, the thing I'm scared of is like if Trump's strategy are just like chirping the whole time and grandstanding the whole time, um, if it helps uh, with the undecided people, because it's going to be like, oh, well, you know, Biden didn't really say anything, but in reality, it's like Biden couldn't say anything because every time he started talking, you know, Trump's wrong, wrong, wrong. He didn't say that. I never said well, that. You know what I'm saying? Like, 2016 was wild. Though. That was the one. I keep thinking about that one. The first one with Hillary. Oh, man. Uh, but yeah, so basically, I don't know who the next moderator is. I mean, there's like the, the tweets about, oh, Joe Rogan should do it, like whatever. Uh, Which is bullshit because it's like, all right, then, all right, so then, so then, okay, so then Charlemagne the God should be the freaking moderator for the next, for the third one, then, if it's going to be, if it's going to be Joe Rogan. It, it, well, it's, it's turning into a, uh, like a sideshow anyway, or like, uh, punch, punchlines. Joel, you, I, you said, uh, Ah, since since they got Chris Wallace, they should get Marshall Mathers next. You see yeah, what you I were saying uh, last week that battle rap, like what used to be into battle rap, that's what it felt like. They're going back and forth, tip for tat. Yeah, there's a there's a uh, what you might call it, a video on that they dubbed like uh, the end of Eight Mile and Joe Biden's Eminem. Mike never saw Eight Mile. <laughs> <laughs> you know why? No, right, you know, wow. 
this is not planned. Uh, yeah, so for some reason, when I was like in eighth grade, like I didn't like Eminem because I, I was like, I was pro. He was in a beef with uh, the guy from House of Pain, Everlast, and I was big into like. I thought, you were about to say, I thought he was about to say I was pro Benzino. I mean, I, I have a stack of source uh, source uh, over here. I was more of a double XL guy. Uh, no, but uh, there's a there's a line from uh, one of the House of Pain songs I was singing during work today in my head. Uh, Everlast goes, I ain't, I'm not quitting till I'm shitting on Donald Trump. Talking about like being successful. I ain't quitting till I'm shitting on Donald Trump. Okay. But yeah, so we'll see what happens. We're gonna, of course, we're gonna keep talking about all the debates, and uh, it's only Friday. Who knows what's gonna happen tonight and tomorrow with the, uh, you know, everything that's going on is chaos. Yeah, but Twitter was hilarious when he got COVID. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I mean, anything. There's so many, like, there's so many. Like, like, people. like I, like I said, I was like, yo, if you think people are out of pocket now. Like, wait until Donald Trump's on deck or he's going to the upper room with Jesus. I always said, like, if there was, like, if, if you had you, an hour left. If you know the movie, like, you catch our reference. No, I'm saying, like, if I always said on Twitter or social media, I was like, there could be an hour left. We're like, oh, well, there's a, a nuclear bomb heading in 38 minutes. You know damn well people are going to have funny gifts and takes on all the end of the world, you know? Yo, we're going to die anyways. Why not? <laughs> Do I mean, without, like, humor, you know, there's there's always been fucked up things going on. They've, oh, humor has always always uh, transcended uh, crazy times. You know what's funny, Mike? Uh, women who, for whatever reason, hate, hate, hate their... um significant others relationship with their moms yeah uh, i was actually yeah i was actually looking at a lot of uh I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit this i love 90 day fiance uh i'm also a fan of wrestling and it reminds me of wrestling uh, so anyway so there's a character oh, a cast member a cast uh, member i guess of the series 90 day fiance and uh the joke is that he's in a relationship with his mom and uh Cause like she always gets him involved and uh and like they always say like oh she ruins the relationships so uh, i was reading up about it and people are saying that he uh because he grew up in a single mom uh household the all the women on like social media were saying oh that's why and then he like treats his uh he, he treats his girlfriends and or like wives wrong and it all stems from his relationship with his mother uh but then also like uh the question is you know, does your mom come first? So I'm going to drop it to uh, Joel. You want to take it first? Uh, uh, when you hear that. Yeah, the direct quote is, you wouldn't need to put your mother first if she had her own husband. And just like reading that off face value automatically going in with like my cynicism, that just sounds to me like it's someone who like they want, they, they feel like their father and husband is like the same thing, honestly. Like there's some women out there and it's understandable that you want protection. You wanna be provided for, you know what I'm saying? But it's not at a father level. It's always at a husband level. Like there's, there, to me, that's a big difference. And with a statement like that, like I'm the youngest of my mom. Everything I know how to do now is because of my mom. Like by seeing her 
cook. I know how to cook by seeing her, you know, uh, take care of things in the house, whether it was fixing things because my mom could fix things too. And when it comes to like keeping the house tidy, all of that is because of my mom. So everything I know now, everything to this day that I even show other females from in my past, I have a relationship now, but everything I do now is because of my mom. So I don't even see it as putting girlfriend, wife first anyway. It's like point blank period. Like everyone, I feel like the big problem in relationships is people want to get taken care of. And just like nobody should come first in a relationship unless like me personally, I feel like it's kids until you have kids, then all right, then the kids come first. But when it comes to just people want to have an, um, get taken care of in a relationship, they see it that way. They see it as, oh, and especially, you know, uh, everybody, it starts at home, like I said, with my mom. So if I feel like there's some women who didn't grow up with fathers or have daddy issues, or whatever the case might be, those are the ones who are really like just stuck on having more of a father than a husband or a boyfriend. They're looking for a little too much. What is it? It's like, you, um, it's almost like, exactly. they exp yeah, there we go. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I was looking for a I bigger, mean, a better word, but yeah. I can think of it. That's just straight um, up what it is. Well, make it my uh, thesaurus. Uh, no, but like, uh, so at the same thing, like uh, maybe like the woman or like the wife or a girlfriend is like, feels like she's like still competing with someone's mother, which is like, Ah, but it's like the thing is, you why is it a competition between parents and like why? That's just you're not in no competition. It's not a competition. Like my mom raised me. Like that's the bottom line. My mom raised me. It's not a competition at all. But like yeah, no. Um, yeah, I mean like um, and if, also like not to cut you off, my God. What all right? So let's just say. I do get like uh, a woman with a, you know, has a son, son grows up, gets married. In that sense, like, do you want your son to just forget about you? Because now that he, she has a wife, so it's okay for me. Oh, I'm married now. Fuck, you know, fuck my mom. Excuse my French. The hell with my mom, you know? That, yeah. uh, that's what that sounds like. It's like, oh, you're married now. You don't need a mom. You don't, you, everything like, no, like what? Right. Um, I thought about this earlier today. Um, when I was at work, I was just thinking about that statement. Um, first off, person that raises you, raises you, if it's a guardian or like a father and mother or just a mother, they help turn you into the man you are that you know that the girlfriend or wife knows now. Um, also, um, what I was thinking was, if you if you end up marrying the man uh, and have or just having children with them, would you want? Um, yeah, so uh, like, would you wanna? Would you want them? Would you want your your husband or boyfriend to care more about you than like his kids? Like that's like hierarchy. Like there shouldn't be a hierarchy. I mean, does that make sense? Sure. What do you, we didn't really get a takeaway from you on this. Um, yeah, so I had like some points, so I'm gonna just um run through them and then we could discuss because I don't want to um forget anything and then come back to it. So I think it goes for both sexes. I think like if you're a woman, 
like your man shouldn't be mad at you prioritizing your mom or your father or your siblings, depending on your situation. Um, in you know, in the same way, like we say, like a woman shouldn't be holding against a man for, you know, putting their mother or their parents or their family first. Um, because you know, at some point, like if y'all, if your bond is that strong, like your significant other is gonna become, like, you, oh, that's the the thing I also wanted to add. I expanded it not only to your mom, but you know, your dad and your the rest of your family. And also your friends, because a lot of people sometimes like a lot of women don't like when men like, you know, need that time for, for their, their boys, you know, and a lot of guys, they don't like it when their girl needs to like, you know, kick it with their homegirls over them. But like I say, at some point, your significant other becomes like your friend part of your friends and family like y'all have that bond and i think like with that like as the relationship grows like they'll understand why you need to like prioritize um your friends and families at certain times probably not all the time but at certain times um and they'll they'll understand the dynamics of your family and then they'll respect when you do have to make those priorities um and I think that some, like like Joel said, I think like somebody that would say something like that, they don't have like a good relationship with their mom or dad. And the thing I also think about is like, like, like he said, you know, a woman should probably appreciate a man who has like a good relationship and cares about their mother because if and when you guys do have kids, you know, that man is going to instill that into that children to respect and honor you and prioritize you when they need to. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That, that was a line that came up in, that I thought of this, this uh, earlier today. It was, uh, it's an old adage. Like, everyone always says it, like, see how a man treats his mother and then you'll see, you know, that's how he'll treat his uh, significant other, his wife or girlfriend. Like, see how he treats her, how how he treats his mother that's a good example of that's a good uh, foreshadowing of how he'll treat you um like if you see someone who just takes advantage of their mother or like parents and stuff you, you can obviously see he's not going to be he's, he's not going to be different uh to you know someone non-family or whatever that that that, that was what i was thinking about yeah so um that come, that's that's come up I've, I've thought about that too. Um, like prioritizing. So prioritizing, um, what made me think about the natural progression of life. Um, you, it's, 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 it's the part of life where like you leave the house, leave your family and you can still have like a relationship with the dynamic has to change though. That's just the progression of life. And then you move on with like your own family. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still, that's not like a competition or anything. It's like you're, you move on uh, and then you have your own family or whatever. And then eventually you're going to be in the role of like your children are going to have to let you go too. And you have to let them go. And it's just as a part of life. That's like, you know, been going on for millennia. Yeah. And like I, I've said it before on a show that I like, you know, my one of the things like my father taught me when I was like a kid was like, 
you know, you shouldn't let like women come between you and your friends because your friends last um forever. And, you know, I haven't really spent a lot of time with Joel's girl. You know, I know your girl, um, Mike, but I, I think about like one of my other best friends, um, his girlfriend, today's her birthday. So happy birthday. I don't wanna name names, but you know who you are if you're listening. I love you. And um you know, she is so great because she understands like when you know my friend he needs to spend time with his family. She understands when he needs to spend his time with his friends and she's very respectful to that and like she's like so cool that like you know, like me and her have like a good, a, a great friendship, like a good re- relationship that like, you know, I call her mom. Cause when like the three of us are together, like, you know, like them two, we, we joke that like, that's, that's my mom and dad, you know what I'm saying? Even though both of them are younger than me. Um, but I take her as an example, like, and that's, that's how, you know, um, you should be with your significant other. Like they should understand like the dynamics of your family and respect it. Um, and when I saw this, this when um, Joel sent it to me, I thought about this video like a couple of years, like a, a little while ago that it was like a girl, like, I guess she borrowed her car to her, her boyfriend and her boyfriend came to pick her up with his mom in like the front seat. And the girl was like cussing at him, like, oh, she got to get in to, to his mom. Like, oh, you, your mom got to go sit in the back. Like, this is my car. I'm sitting in front, blah, 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 blah. It's just like, yo, like, for one, to me, I think, like, when you pull up, whoever's already in the front seat is in the front seat, hopping the back, like, at the end of the day. I, and also, that person is your elder. You need to respect your elders. Like, sit in the back then, or since it's your car, tell him, bro, I'm driving. You need to go sit in the back, but you don't disrespect Ma Dukes. Like you do not do that. Like you don't disrespect Ma Dukes. You don't disrespect your elders unless they disrespect you first. And I mean, you know, let's let's just say I don't know the the whole dynamics of that particular relationship in our video, but in our video, the only person I'm seeing being wild disrespectful is the girl. Yeah, it's like I said it before. Like, oh. Uh... I said it before where uh, see how the man treats his mother uh, and then as a good indication of how he'll treat you, i.e. girlfriend, wife, whatever. Uh, but also watch how she treats your mother. Mm-hmm. You want to stay with someone who's like a piece of shit, you know, like a little, <laughs> you know, I, energy, like it's some of the negative energy in that situation. Yeah. Cause know? first of all, I'm like, I know my mother. I'm like, if you can't get along with my mother, something got to be wrong with you. Like, like I don't. My mom's the first one who's gonna be honest with me every time I bring. Like I done brought some, you know, girls over. I'm like, like, and let me tell you, my mom right away, no, like, right away. And in hindsight, I should have listened. Like in hindsight, I should have listened. That's like you gotta understand. Like it starts at home. Like my mom's. She's not gonna lie to me. She's gonna protect me probably more than a wife, for example. But obviously, yeah, like I said earlier, like it's just uh, like, 
some women, some, it's always some, it's not all of you ladies. All you ladies are lovely, wonderful. I know it's not all of you, but I got to keep saying some because some, yeah. it's always no. some, it's not always all. And like I said, it goes both ways. Cause yeah, dudes, and it they, goes both yeah. ways. Because like I said, I know a lot of men out here that's like, bro, what is it? Like, huh? Like, I could understand you wanting to be Prince Charming to your girl and this and that, but like a lot of the times, like seriously, Again, going back, there's some women, some women who view that as a security blanket and they want it more than they showcase it. You know what I mean? It's like they dreamt about that, you know, William Shakespeare directed by Woody Allen type of relationship. (laughs) So once that they receive that, it's not like it's always like, oh, something I always wanted, something I always wanted, something I always dreamed of. That's the way some women view that they view oh, a husband like it has to be directed by Woody Allen at the end of the day and it's like no that's not me specifically I'm still not a, a, a corny guy but it's like I'm not no I'm not about to like be like one thing I know that I agree on that I lack in is romance and I don't feel like lack of romance is lack of love I feel like romance is an extension of that love so if I'm lacking in romance, and even judging by my past relationships, it's like, listen, I'll take, you know, I'll take my blame, but I got to, in order for me to give you romance back, it's like, I got to receive, you know what I'm saying? At least halfway, go halfway on me. And there's just some, a lot of people, men and women, they want to receive more than they give out. And that's the problem. Hmm. It has to be like a fair share of romance, fair share of love, whatever the case might be. And like I said, lacking romance, then that's, you know, that's a problem I know I'm admitting to, but I don't feel like, oh, you got to have be so romantic in relationships every single day. That's, that's tiring, honestly, especially when you out here actually trying to like achieve those things. Like, let's just say, for example, was it romantic? Like, oh, obviously getting the dream house and what have you, you have the, you know, the, the, the cars, nice house that you could raise your kids in. But how are we going to get there? That's what I'm saying. I can't showcase that like romance back if all you're doing is receiving it. I got to know how we going to get there. I got to know what you can do. Yeah, and I, I feel like, you know, people always talk about, yo, like you got to like um accept people's like baggage. But I think there's sometimes like good baggage. And I think in like high school, like <laughs> religion class, like one of my teachers, one of the lessons was like your gifts and your givens, and like, you know, one of the things you can't pick when you're born is like your family, and you know, you if you're with somebody, you have to accept their family, and they gotta accept yours. Like me, my brothers on on the spectrum. So for the rest of my life, like I have to take care of them. So you have to be there without understanding that, like there's going to be a lot of times like my brother is going to take precedence over you, unfortunately, but that's the responsibility I have in life. And I take it and I want it and I don't, I'm not mad at it at all. Cause you know, I'm looking at him right now is like such a great, like person and such like a, a, a like ray of sunshine. And he just brings so much happiness into all our lives but I'm never putting no woman above him. So if that's like uh, a, a point of discussion, like you, you're already going to lose that argument and like I could do without you, like bye. 
But I was thinking about the the word that kept popping in my head was balance, uh, like especially when Joel was speaking. Um, uh, there need there's a time and place for you know, uh, like you just mentioned your brother, and then we were talking about mothers, um, like who I'm with. She understands that, and she also says it's important to be able to have time on your own too. Like you have yeah. to be like, but that's also you have to put yourself first too. You know, you can do all of that once. It doesn't have to be. It can literally be all at once. Yeah, it's um, called being selfless. Not it's called being selfless, not selfish. Selfish is a whole. Don't be selfish. Be selfless. Like that's what I say. Like I know for a fact, me. Like if I. I'm not good in my, I don't care what you have in line in store for me. Like you could have everything already planned out for me. Oh, uh, what is it? Like, let's say we going on vacation. You could have, if I'm not feeling good, you could have everything planned for me, paid for everything. If I'm not good mentally in my head, I'm not going out. I'm not doing anything. That's just how I feel. People look at that as being selfish. I see it as being selfless because if I was, I see me being selfish as me having a bad day or me being really, you know, uh, um, in my feelings or whatever the case might be. And I'm just out here masking it just with the vacations and this, that, uh, that you're masking it. You know what I'm saying? That's just how I see it. So, but obviously I appreciate friendship. I got, like, we've been, me and she have been friends since high school. There's no, no type of level of disrespect that I would give him. Yo, and I'll tell and you something, bro. Mind. Like, you know, obviously, you know, I'm the the I'm, I'm single as fuck <laughs> and i'm a single one amongst us three yo listen my dms are open <laughs> ladies hit me up uh, you know, it'd be like cnn ticker all your info all your uh your signs zodiac sign on the bottom uh yeah when you were speaking um Shug, uh, only apply. no but what, quickly what i was gonna say is like i've never yeah. heard um I never, like, anytime me and, and Joel were going out, like, obviously before all of this nonsense, I've never heard this man say, oh, nah, like, my girl said, like, I can't go out. Like, it's never been a problem. Same thing with my other best friend. Like, you know, every time we link up, it's just like, you know, all three of, like, me, him, and her would go out together and have a good-ass time. And I, that's, never, that's, you, that's sometimes never the case. But like I say, certain situations, like you turn, like if you're a boyfriend or a girlfriend, sometimes you turn into that friend and our family, like you're part of that fold and you just like, you know, you, you ingratiate yourself to it and everybody ingratiates to you and gravitates towards you. So Mike, what did you say? Uh, first thing, um, that made me think of something else, but I'm gonna go back to what you were, when you were speaking earlier, uh, Shug. You use this phrase, I never really heard this, but it's something I always... I always talk about, and I talk about it with uh, my partner, my my girlfriend, fiance, whatever. Um, good baggage. That's a uh, that's a great word of uh, phrase because um, me and her went through, we've been through a lot too. Um, I would not marry someone unless I went through uh, hard times with. So I know that in the future, when things get rough, I got someone who has my back. So good baggage goes, and it brings it brings it gives you character too, and uh, uh, you know we've, we've all been through a lot too, and uh, I just like that whole good baggage phrase, and um, yeah, what, what was the last? Oh yeah, uh, I have a my two best friends since I was like five and single digits. Uh, actually, before one of them, 
fell in love, you know, got engaged and married the woman he's with uh, now, uh, I could see him being very judgmental and kind of being like selfish sometimes. And like, if you wanted to go out uh, with the girl you're dating, whatever, and he wanted to go out to the bars, whatever, he might be like kind of a dick to it, dick about it, mm-hmm. oh, jerk about it. Um, now, I, when he met this woman, he completely changed and he totally gets it and stuff. Uh, so that just came in my head too. But uh, yeah, dynamics change and you, you understand that like you meet someone and they become your family, your friend and stuff. And it's about part of life. It's growing. It's not putting it someone above someone else. Yeah. And that's what keeps it in the balance. Yeah. There's just a lot of, there's a lot of people who want their ass kissed. And that's what it is. Like they, they, too much attachment is a problem too. Just so, you know, I don't know if a lot of people are aware that too much attachment is a problem, not so much giving it, but it's almost if you give out too much, it's like you're not going to understand why you're not receiving that back. And yourself, you yourself might end up going a little crazy in your head. If you're all you're doing is giving and not receiving it much, even that you have to tone down a little bit in relationships like you really do. Just saying is that balance just to gain some balance in relationship. Like if you keep giving, if you're the, uh, let's say um, you're the boyfriend in a relationship who pays for everything, eventually you're going to be like, man, can you at least pay for something? <laughs> it's, every man is going to have that thought. I don't like, let me not speak for every me. Like first and foremost, I'm not going to speak for every man. I'm speaking for me. I'm going to have that thought eventually. Like, yo, you know, you could pay for something, right? Like, yeah, because we, we talked about it. Um, It's going to be on like um one of our YouTube videos. Um, but we talked about it a little bit with like the the um who pays and like the last relation the the last little um dating situation I was in, like this girl had like broke up with her boyfriend and then me and her went out like a couple of times and then eventually she was like oh like I can't see you anymore I can't date you anymore, um she started talking back <clears throat> with like the boyfriend she she um broke up with but like in the interim when we was going out like every like thing i had paid for and she never like reached out to to um pay for anything and it was just like damn like basically this girl was with this guy for like however long stopped going out with him then got like three like like a couple free meals off of me and drinks off of me and dates out of me and then went back to the same dude. Like I said, that girl it takes me back to that girl was always expecting that from her ex or whatever, not just her ex, but every guy she's been with. So when it finally happened, oh, it's something I always expected. Here we go. She didn't receive it as you being a nice guy. She saw it as oh, finally, I get what I deserve. You know what I'm saying? That's just the, sadly, that's just how things work. And if you see it that way, you could, like, you could know better how to maneuver through that. Like, honestly, like, I've been in situations like that. Like I said, I don't mind paying for anything because I don't take you out nowhere that I can't afford anyway. So it's not like I'm, oh, my God, I'm spending my money. You know, I'll take you somewhere I know I can afford. If you want to chip in, cool. But it's like eventually it's not a deal breaker. It's not obviously it's not that big a deal breaker. But it's just one of those things in relationships that's like, yo, come on now. Like, I'm not made of money. You gotta relax. And now I start thinking 
are you after me for money that I don't have? Like, I could just imagine when I start getting real money. Uh, like I said, like, and also it's more, everyone likes just to ask and receive. They like to sh like show you how much they love you or tell you how much they love you. I'm the total opposite. Like, like how we've been friends, like me and my girl been together for like five years. And like, I probably, have you ever heard me say anything like romantic? Have you ever like, oh my gosh, like, mm -hmm. that's because like, I'd rather show it. I'd rather show love. I'd rather say what I don't like than to like show you what I don't like. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like I mean, a lot of people like to just, oh, I like this. I like that. Like, eh. like all right, what do you do? Like, show me what you don't like so I can't do that. I don't have to think about what you like. Like, I already know how to do good. I already know how to move. What I can't handle, what I can't take in any relationship, whatever, is like people who don't want to like just like feel themselves a little bit like yo like get out of your head a little bit like for real like you're not perfect and not nobody's perfect you gotta like relax a little bit and if you're not yourself and you're pretending to be something to get something from someone then you're never going to be happy but then you also mentioned uh, it sounded like you were saying that it was like a competition about like who who who's going to pay for things and expect expectations like it's like a competition like oh i pay for this and then later on you know, like you're competing, like I'm the one who pays for this. And to bring it back to the beginning of this uh, topic, uh, does your mother come first? That's putting it in a competition and it's not a competition. And the word I keep bringing up and we all agree upon is balance. Uh, and everything in life, balance brings uh, positivity and happiness, which is like the key to life. Speaking of, uh, speaking of happy, uh, I brought this up earlier, how like living in uh, the New York area, New York City area, there's a lot of uh, celebrities and well-known people and figures, public figures. Uh, we wanted to talk about uh, our experiences with these individuals and see the most pleasant of, the, of these encounters. Because uh, I know there's this old saying, uh, don't meet your idols, because they'll just like let you down. Have you heard that before, Shug? Oh yeah, definitely. It, it's a um, it's wild because it's like you only get to meet people like one time, mm -hmm. a, a lot of times, obviously. Um, and you know that day you might have caught them on like a bad day, like something bad might have happened, and like it might influence your whole um idea of them. I mean, we've amongst ourselves like we've discussed me meeting a certain famous rapper actually both of us meeting a famous rapper um growing up that I had like a lot of respect and admiration for and just how like he interacted with us or lack thereof like kind of like threw my whole idea of him out of whack and I was at one time but um yeah, um, so we, we've all encountered, like, a celebrity or, or or two or three throughout our lifetime. But, um, you know, let's just, you know, we could talk about, like, the others for, like, multiple for a little bit. But let's try to, like, um, focus on, like, one. Um, Mike, you want to start that one out? Yeah, I started off. Uh, yeah, you mentioned how you meet someone once. Uh, and it could be their bad day, and then it's just, like, a negative you know, stay, stay with you forever. Um, you mentioned you had a negative experience. 
I'm going to talk about the positive ones. And it's, it's an interesting uh, situation or dynamic because I met a lot of, or I've interacted with a lot of uh, famous and uh, high profile people in the line of work I've done since like, college. I used to be a doorman in the city in like a luxury apartment condos and buildings. And I also worked in like media and stuff. So that shows a lot of like who a, who a person is. Um, I can mention like a handful of people, but I'll just use one person as an example. Uh, everyone loves him, I assume. Uh, Ron Howard. Okay. Any negative thoughts on Ron Howard? Famous director. Baseball player. No, no uh, he did Happy Days. He oh, was in Happy oh Days. yeah. yeah right. Actor, Opie Cunningham, Richie Cunningham. Yeah, yeah, but everyone, you know, he's kind of like a Tom Hanks type guy, right? Yeah, he's, he's um, cool. He was in our Blame It On The Goose. Got your feel loose. Blame it on patrol. He was on that video. Nah, I like Happy Days. Yeah, I Happy yeah. Days. Yeah. Yeah. So like uh, Richie Cunningham. So yeah, I'm gonna use him as an example. Um, the dynamic is as a doorman is especially for these type of buildings is servitude, but you also have to be like they they're friendly with you. If they're having a bad day, they'll take it out on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're you're like the help, but they'll just like you're a thing. Yeah, that's terrible. You know, like call up later on and be like, "Oh, you didn't get the cab," and just like crazy. But uh, they were cool with me, you know. They like, especially Ron Howard. Um, like he showed up and like I helped. I was oh, like you know, I was like, oh, "I'll help you out." And then his his uh, family was also there, and they were sweet. So obviously he taught he showed them the way to be nice to uh, nice to you know uh, someone like me, you know. So that was always that always stuck with me, and in the same uh, my same role as as like a doorman, I met a lot of people in the same way, and they were nice. Some people were jerks, but they were funny moments. I don't take them to heart. They're they were just funny moments. But uh, yeah, I mean, um, if you meet other celebrities, it might be in like a a different dynamic. But this was like a person to person thing. It wasn't like at an event. They weren't trying to get anything from me. Like uh, it wasn't like a uh, like a sporting event or like an entertainment where you're getting someone's autograph or anything like that. It was just like kind of like an everyday thing. And that's more uh, of an indication of who a person is, just like an everyday vibe. Right. And uh, yeah, so uh, uh, who wants to, Joel, you have uh, any uh, specific uh, experience? Uh, sadly, no. Well, the only one I could think of is when, you know, me and Shug met Brian Cashman in high school. That's, that was pleasant because we, it was like a real random day. We were taking regents or something like that or finals exam or something. And like over the announcement, it was like, oh, Brian Cashman here, general manager of the Yankees. I'm like, huh? And then like, you know, he just spoke to us in the auditorium. You know, my boy here was asking him questions. I didn't have like, I couldn't like, I was in awe, honestly. And I was a little tired and probably worried because I probably failed the regents I took anyway. But anyway. Uh, that was real pleasant for you know meeting Brian Cashman because I've met a couple celebrities I don't want to you know obviously we're talking about positive here but most of the celebrities I've met uh, you know honestly it wasn't that like pleasant like at all yeah maybe in overtime I could bring up my negative ones yeah uh, but what did you have you had the paper notepad you're, you're uh, asking questions of the press <laughs> yo listen I was just about to tell you like I he he must have got asked like so it was like um, regents. 
Um, so we all taking tests. You know, you just have to show up to school to take your test. So it was like, yo, and they would have like sessions. So like, let's say the session was like from nine o'clock to 11 o'clock. It was like, all right, after the 11 o'clock session, the um, GM of the Yankees, um, Brian Cashman is going to be in the auditorium. Um, he's going to be speaking and like taking questions. If you want to come, um, you could go. It's going to start at like 11.15. So we went down there. Um, and, you know, he got asked maybe like 20 questions. And I could comfortably say like I asked him like 17 of them. I was asking him all kinds of stuff. I can't remember anything else specifically, but it almost got to a point where he just knew to look in my direction when he was asked a question. The only thing I remember asking him for sure was whether or not they were going to, I think it was like 2007. So I was asking him if they were going to bring Jorge Posada back. And he was like, yeah. like Jorge and Mariano were um, free agents. So I don't think he was expecting those type of questions. So I was like, yeah. Are you gonna bring him? Uh, so, are you planning to bring back Mariano Rivera and and Jorge um next year? And he was like, yeah, uh, uh, he, he, yeah. He was like, yeah. He at least he was honest. He was like, yeah. And they they ended up bringing him back. And then like, I took an excellent picture. I don't know if Joel has it anywhere. Anywhere that of, thing is gone, sadly. Of him, I, I, maybe I could find it because I think I posted it to mine. Um, I took an excellent picture of, of him, of him and Brian Cashman. And I want to take, took time to take a picture of me. It was like a half, like a, a messed up, um, picture. Uh, ah, you know why? Cause like, we're not going to name, you know, he's, he's the, he's the, you know, he's our boy, but he kind of like distracted me in the background. And that's why the camera was a little. You know, he tried to photo somebody tried to photo bomb and it, I got distracted. That yeah, Manguel, I don't care. I'm gonna say your name, Manguel. Oh. I'm listen, you messed up my picture with Brian Cashman. I, like, yeah, I, I, I don't have a good, names, I only had one time to meet that man and he messed it up. But Brian Cashman is Brian Cashman is in mine, but the person that I had my, my most and it was like my most endearing experience meeting. He's Yankee adjacent because he spent many years with the Yankees, won World Series, won Cy Youngs, um, actually ended his career, eventually ended his career with the Yankees when he came back. Um, so me and Mike, we worked in a coffee shop, but this was many years before Mike arrived. Um, so one day I come in and I'm, I'm, I'm you know, it's me and another guy because usually at our spot, it's a slow place, slow pace, so slow place um after the morning rush because we were more for we were on a train station so we dealt with like you know rush hour traffic and it was just me and uh like two other people so i think like the third person happened to be on a break and it was me and the other person on the floor and you know i start taking the order and it's like a big like burly like white dude like, you know, muscle, but, you know, you could tell, like, he's, like, you know, in his 40s or his 50s. Substantial. So, so I, like, start taking his um order, and, like, I start listening to him. And mind you, this is, like, upstate New York. And I hear, like, a Texas, like, southern Texas, like, accent. I look up, 
And I say to this, I look at him. I was like, "Listen, I'm sorry if this is unprofessional, but I have to ask. You're Roger Clemens," and he was like, "Yeah," and I was like, "Oh my God!" Because listen, my favorite hitter of all time, my two favorite hitters of all time, or I don't have a favorite baseball player, but my favorite hitters of all time, Barry Bonds and Alex Rodriguez. Favorite pitcher of all time, there's nobody else. Roger Clemens is my favorite pitcher of all time. So this was like a huge moment for me. And like, um, I meant to bring this stuff out because, um, but I didn't, I didn't get a chance because things kind of got rushed. But um, he was so like polite and so kind. And I think I hooked him up as I usually do. And um he was like, listen, I, I didn't even ask. I was just like, can I shake your hand? And he was like, yeah, I shook his hand. And he was like, I was like, listen, your, your thing's on me, whatever you want. Like, I got you. I'll mark it out, whatever, whatever. And he was like, listen, man, if you got like a cup or something, like, I know you guys got markers, like, I'll sign it. You know, I'll sign it for you. So I took one of the cups, a small cup, and he he, he did a signature for me. He did a signature for the other person I was working with. And um, he was like, listen, man, like in a car, I got like some some stuff I could sign it for you too. So he went in the car and he got like some pictures. Um, and he signed, he gave me like two of them. So I gave one of them to you. Yeah. I gave, I think I gave it a card. I gave it a card. I gave you the cup and a card because I think he did two for me. So I gave, I gave him one, but like the card... Um, he signed it with like a, a marker, so it's kind of smudged now. Um, and f- unfortunately, the 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 picture was like when he was with the Astros, and not with the Yankees, so it didn't really like mean as much to me, unfortunately. But I still do have the cup, and it it means so much to me. And he was such a a sweet guy, and I was just like, man, like why would you not vote this guy for the Hall of Fame? Like even if whatever like allegations you have towards him. Like, he he's such a, he was so, like, if you ever met him, you were like, wow, this is, like, one of the sweetest people nah. you ever met in your life. Like, he's so nice. Like, honestly, like, it's, those are, like, the only, it will probably have to be, like, a sports player. Like, if I meet Jeter, that's the only time I'll probably ever go, like, starstruck, honestly. I probably don't know what to say. Because, like, sports players, like, when it comes to, like, just humility, a lot of them, like, you know, obviously rich, professional, they could do whatever they want, but they just so patient if anything they're they're way more just a lot more tolerable when you you know you're a celebrity with humility on you because like i said like i i've met some celebrities like oh man like mind you already heard nothing but bad things about these celebrities and then meeting them and then actually finding out it's true is even worse yeah like like i said but lucky for you you can meet roger clemens i ain't mean no roger clemens i'm uh, I, I, like honestly, like I said, I'm bottom of my heart. I hope you do, because he nah, was so nice, and like I, I wish him nothing but the best. So Roger Clemens, if somehow, some way you come across this, like Suge, um, <clears throat> loves you. Favorite play, favorite picture of all time. Um, but I also before we 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 go into our final thoughts, I want to like name drop a couple other people that I met, um, you guys are also as well. So Brian Cashman, like, um, Joel mentioned, and then, um, 
Paul Heyman of um, WWE, WCW, ECW fame. He came into my store, my previous location, which was in a mall, and he shook my hand. Again, like a lot of these people, I don't even ask for like autographs and stuff. I just want to shake your hand just to say I met you. And he was so like kind and cool and 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 nice to like me and my coworker. And then uh, way back in the day when I was in middle school, I used to hang out after school outside of um, TRL MTV Studios. So uh, when the Dave Chappelle show was dropping, like right, like I think in between the first and the second episode, he was out there. And I got to meet him and I got to like, I was like, yo, Dave, like, I love that. Like, um, Clayton, B- Clayton Bigsby, um, thing. I love that black Klansman. And he was like talking to me about it a little bit. He was like, yo, listen, like, keep watching. Like, we got a lot of stuff coming out that, that you're going to like. And like, you know, the two seasons following, like that show was, was, was amazing for what it was and to like meet him and for him to tell me like, yo, like, you're really gonna like what's coming and I, I really did it, it, it'd be a moment that sticks out to me but Mike what you saying yeah as an aside uh show was mentioning how uh Roger Clemens uh came into uh where he was working and you also mentioned uh you had a press conference with uh Cashman in high school uh actually Cashman uh he yeah obviously we live in the New York area and there's an affluent side of where I live and apparently he lives there and he came into where I was working one time. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to get all into details, but I saw the name was just Brian, whatever. I was, oh, Brian. Yeah. Uh, and I called out the drink and I see a guy, I just see his eyes. I see him acknowledge me and I go, Oh, like I, like I, we, we shared a moment where like, uh, I'm like, Oh yeah, I know who you are. Like appreciate what you do. I don't like, a, I don't want like to make a big to do about things. Uh, Shug was there one time when a comedian came into where we were, we were working together. And all I said was, oh, I appreciate what you do, man. And he was really cool. Remember, I'm not going to say what he was, but he was really cool. And he came back and he said, oh, what's your name again? And he was like being cool with us. Yeah, and I was kind of I was, I was addicted to him. Uh, it, was, like, it was close to when we were closing. So I was like, you know, to anybody that comes in there after like an hour before we're closing, like I'm kind of like an asshole too, because I want to like hurry up and like clean and finish and stuff so like we could leave as soon as possible when we close but yeah but he was definitely cool um i know you don't want to mention his name but um he he, he was awesome yeah and then like he remembered me like a year later i saw him and he was cool about it uh yeah so i like those moments i just uh you know not like oh i i frame it on my wall i got his autograph whatever but another thing um it was freaking this late december right before christmas fifth avenue rockefeller center Thousands of people around me, chaos. Uh, again, uh, another theme. I was half in a bag. So uh, I was feeling a little buzz and I was meeting someone. And I just see a wave of people just like crisscrossing past me. And there's one man and one small like like individual just 20 feet, then 15 feet, and 10 feet ahead of me. And we locked eyes. And I, like, I kind of was like, are you, are you, are you him? And it was uh, an actor that we, we don't really know his name maybe. But he's a character actor. His name is James Hong. Uh, he was in um, Wayne's World 2. He's like the uh, the father, the father-in-law in it, the future father-in-law. Nerds mm. 2, Big yeah. Trouble in Little China. He, his resume is massive. 
and he just looks at me and I go, are you him? And he like, he just nodded and smirked. And I was like, cool. I was like, I appreciate what you do. That's the same. I like those little quick little moments. I don't need to get too, you know, you don't have to talk to them and show like that. Yo, Actually, I just find that funny. Yo, I don't bring it up on a podcast. Later. Yo, and we'd also be remiss if we didn't mention um, Artie Lang, who is awesome. You know, if, if you listen to our story ah. when we met him, um, also a very, very nice guy, awesome dude. Um, wish nothing for the best, nothing but the best yeah. for him. Um, I- treated me and Mike very well. Um, Joel, you you familiar with Artie Lang? Name familiar. I'm trying to picture the face. Yeah. Uh, movie, what? Um, Name a show movie. Oh, well. uh, he used to be on Howard Stern show. This movie, Bear League. Like I said, uh, name. I uh, definitely know the name. Um, yeah, I'll I'll show you the picture. Um, I'll, I'll show you the picture. Me and Mike took with him. Um, afterwards, and you you probably recognize him. But yeah, another person that was like a really cool thing. Um, but Mike, yeah, your final thoughts. Yeah, the final thoughts. I'll, I'll segue from that. Yeah, that was great. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, I actually was a, kind of like a, again, half in the bag. I was kind of a dick to him, not to him, but, uh, and then we finally met and he was really cool and we had a great moment. Me and Chuck had a great moment, uh, which kind of helped us into getting motivated to the show. So it all full circle. Um, with Trump, I'm actually watching it live. I'm seeing him being taken out of the White House on the helicopter to, uh, to, the, to the hospital to be, I guess, quarantined or just he's, he's on his way to be, uh, uh, he's going to stay there for observations. So we're going to obviously 24-7 when we follow on this. Uh, next week is the vice presidential debate. Uh, I'm interested in hearing that, uh, what comes out of that, because I haven't seen anything really with Harris. Like, I just know her record. And I also know like these memes that are popping up where she's like, oh, she's like the fun, the fun in. That's what I'm getting from her. That's, but that's from my point of view. Um, and holding with, uh, you know, question what does your mother come first? I think, uh, it's not a competition. Uh, anyone who sees it that way, I'm not just blaming like, oh, the female or the mother or the woman in either of the roles, the mother or the, your significant other, uh, anyone, you can feel a competition too. Uh, that's just not, that's not healthy. Uh, it's all about balance and, um, and uh, Joel brought it up where, like, if you don't help yourself first, you can't help others, pretty much. That's what the bottom line from that was. Uh, yeah, it's all about balance and everything, and I don't want to keep rambling about that. But, yeah, um, I'm interested in hearing uh, uh, Joel. Uh, what's your final thoughts? Well, just on the presidential debate, like I said, just um... – Presidential debates, like I said, I'm not the biggest political person here on this podcast. Uh, at the end of the day, I just hope that if I'm going to try to tune into the Biden and come out of Harris debate, I'll probably admittedly only watch like half hour once. I mean, Mike Pence, not Biden. Pence and uh, Kamala Harris. Once I watch, you know, their debate, I'm going to try. I'm going to attempt to be that guy and try to watch it. But, you know, eventually, I already know. I'm not going to be too invested in there, but what I take from it, I'll take from it. End of the day, whoever becomes just the next president, like I said, we, this is another history repeats itself, and we're faced again with two horrible options, and that's just the bottom line. 
and it's almost like we got to choose again the lesser of two evils and whatever whoever you know we choose just make up for your mistakes that's the that's the end result of this whole presidential debate and election period and going back to you know uh who comes first you know husband mom whatever i forgot the direct quote again but just cut it out like everybody put if you can't help yourself first you're gonna always want that help from someone else period and you just gotta really learn how to put yourself first you gotta learn how to compromise in relationships you gotta learn how to understand that before i met you i was already on my path of growing so if we meet each other and we clash on whatever it is you know, whatever it is, like, I feel like if I'm not there in my life, you just got to learn how to compromise if you feel like you're not there in your life. So whoever comes first, that's just ridiculous at this point. Um, everybody's grown. You should already know how to balance everything out. If you love someone, it, nobody comes first. Everybody comes at the same time as a unit, period. That's just how I feel. And like I said, uh, I haven't met any good celebrities, but, well, let me rephrase that. I haven't met any celebrity who without, I like bad yeah, experiences yeah. Who, uh, without having a bad experience, you know. Yeah. But Cashman. But Brian Cashman, that's yeah. about it. All right, man. So my final thoughts. Um with prioritizing people, you know, all three of us we have really good relationships with our mothers mainly. Um, you know, and other members of our family, of our families, and um, you know, for me, like obviously being like single, like I've never really had that that come up, you know, for me, like oh, like do you put your mother before me, or like do you really care? Do you care about your mother more than you do me? Blah blah blah. I've never had that. And like I said, if I did, like, my mom, like, if she got a problem with you, like, something really got to be wrong with you because, like, she likes more people than not. And especially the fact that, like, you like me, she probably likes you off of that. And if you give her reason not to like you, that's on you. Um, but like I say, like, you, you want to instill, like, if you really care about that person, you should appreciate the fact that they they're they're loyal to their friends a and b that they have a good relationship with their mom because when you guys do have kids if you get to that point he's going to instill to you to you guys' children um your importance and how much you should be honored and respected and i think that as a woman that's something you should look for um now, uh, the the ce- celebrity thing, like I said, Roger Clemens, a uh, total, um, very extremely polite person. I wish nothing but the best for Roger Clemens. He's been my favorite pitcher, and he basically validated that when I met him. Um, and you know, like I, I like I said in in the beginning of the thing, shout out to Erica, um, a friend of mine from Snapchat. And I've li- I've talked to a couple of different people who've addressed me about this podcast and just, you know, encouraged me to, to keep doing this thing. And I like to spread that message um, to, to Mike and Joel. 
um, to keep doing this thing. And, like, if we ever get on that level, like, you know, Joel talks about, like, he, he, because he, he, he used to work in a, a place where he used to interact with celebrities a lot. And 99% of them were not, like, cool or just, like, ignorant and, or just, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, yo, if we ever get on that level that this show gets, like, that big, bro, like, and any of us is ever rude to you, like, just let us know. Listen, I, that's just not me as a person. Before I'm rude, being rude to me at all times is a last resort, period. Like, so if I'm ever rude, trust and believe you deserve that. I'm just saying that. Right yeah. Yeah. Like, if you're being obnoxious to us, then, why? like, of course, we're going to be rude. Being but, rude is the last resort. Bro, like, if, times. like, this show was huge and popular and I went out and you just came up to me, it's like, yo, you're Suge from Suge Me the Mooney. Like, I'll, I'm definitely giving you the time of day and I'm going to be eating because it's just, respect. like, it goes back to, like, my mom. My mom ain't raised me to be, like, no asshole to people. So I'm not going to be that, like, if you, you, you run into us. Um... And with the debates, stuff going on with Trump, um, with his health, like I say, um, I'm not going to wish him well, but I'm not going to wish him worse. I'm going to just see how the thing plays out, and then what comes of it comes of it. That's that. Um, But, you know, I'm here for all the memes and the jokes and stuff on Twitter. The shit gives me life um, on Instagram as well. Um, but from what I learned on the debates, like, yo, you got to go out and vote. All the undecided people, you got to pick somebody. Um, vote, 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 vote. Uh, that's the only thing you could do. Um, as much as I say, like, and, and then not only vote. And this is the thing I learned from the 2016 election. It's like, yo, you got to vote in local go- government as well. Like, between 2016 and 2020, I voted more times in my whole life. Like, um, councilman, uh, assemblyman, um, attorney. I think I voted for uh, AOC twice already. So, like, you got to get out there and vote. Yeah, man. You, yeah my brother is like like start start on the local level yeah that's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna just start on local level right? yeah like, man and listen bro like, like the 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 line the lines and stuff don't even be that long because a lot of people aren't involved so it's like you got to think of it uh in this way like if whatever your agenda whoever you support um the fact that you're showing up it gives you a leg above your opponent or the other side so just go on and vote, man. And um, actually, for all us New Yorkers and Bronx people, I actually got some very sad news breaking as I open my Twitter. Um, Stephen Barnes of Salino and Barnes uh, died in a plane crash in upstate New York. So um, yeah. Uh, Rest in peace. Can, all right. Instead of saying "Show Me the Money" song, we'll sing the theme from their commercials. Yeah, I'm trying to sound. Selena. It's an honest. Uh, Selena. Selena Williams. Injury attorneys. One hundred eight 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 eight.
right, let's say B. Uh, I'm bringing. I'm thinking about the big sign at the front Yankee Stadium next to the uh, the bar to the spot next to the stadium, and that's yeah. where we're gonna reconvene next season. Yeah, right? just put Hopefully. it in like the Bronx, the Bronx Market Terminal. Um, but listen, yo, check out our um beer reviews that are coming up. We did the um. Uh, Stone Cold IPA. Me and Joel are gonna do one later. Um, check out our playoff review. Um, it's still relevant because the Cardinals, um, the Cardinals and Padres are still playing as we're taping, and the Marlins and the Cubs are still playing. So as soon as those games go final, we're gonna do the next one for the division series and review this wild card series that was great for us because our Yankees won. Um, and we're going to preview the Yankees against the, the Rays. That's going to start next week. Um, but if you're not down with that, I got four words for you. Shug me the Mooney. Shug me the Mooney. Shug me the Mooney. Shug me the Mooney. 21, 21, 21. <laughs>